This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Triple Jump podcast. It's a video game podcast. My name is Ben. And my name is Peter. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, Ben. How are you? I am fine. How are you? I'm good, too. Oh, fine, too. I should say, you didn't say good. You said fine. I'm fine, I'm fine. too. Superman does good. Mm. You are doing good. What? Is that what? it? That's not it. I completely ruined that, didn't mm. I? Yeah. Oh, Something I about good. Anyway, uh, I'm well. Well, that's fantastic news. I'm yeah, pleased to hear is. it. It is. Uh, this video game podcast that we do is a video game podcast in which we talk about video game things. If you've not been here before, I mean, you could be confused by the name, I suppose, but I don't know. Would you? It could be an athletics podcast, couldn't it? It could be. It's not. We're mm. making that clear. We still get occasional tweets from uh, <laughs> yeah. athletes sort of tagging us in several... Uh, se- se- with with a bunch of s- several other people or groups of several other people um, on Twitter mm. about about their their latest jump that they've done their PB yeah look at my big jump yeah. and it's like that is undoubtedly a very impressive and big jump but I don't know what you what what do we do here the only PBs here are Peter and Ben <laughs> yeah what 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 yeah, yeah, it is. So, yeah, video game podcast. We've got sponsors each and every week. I don't know if you knew that as well, if you're new. We've got a brand new sponsor. For some reason, we can't hold on to our sort of video game uh, relative. Mm. Relative? relative? Relevant. That's it. My brain's not on yet today. It's okay. It's not, it's not woken up. Don't worry uh, about Video it. game relevant sponsor. And we get one of those each and every week because mm. we can't we can't hold one down. They don't stick around and it's really strange. I don't know why. Yeah. Very bizarre, but Peter's got one there for this week. This one's very video game relevant in that it's actually a new game that's coming out. Oh, nice. Uh, I think it's coming out this month. Um, and it. I'm told, according to the ad brief here, it's a game that's designed to celebrate the people in the background, you know, of mm. games and TV shows and movies, sort of the extras. The people who don't even have uh, character names in the credits, you know, they're just called, like, 
man one or like yes. lady three passerby passerby yeah uh hot dog salesman have you um, seen the sorry to completely take you that's okay off on a side adventure take me please have you seen the imdb page for the woman whose only credit is a uh, woman who wets herself <laughs> no i've not okay, wow let me see if brilliant. i can, can find what it. film is it in who wets herself. I haven't looked at it for about 10 years, I'm sure. Anne Sellers. There we go. Right, her name is Anne Sellers. Mm. Uh, she's been in one TV movie called Threads mm. from 1984. And it's uncredited. And she is woman who urinates on herself. On herself. This is wow. it. This is her. She was born in 1952 in Sheffield. A clever and creative child. She excelled at school. Her love of theatre and cinema led her to go on to study drama. Her love of children, her fun-loving nature and her desire and willingness to encourage others' potential led her to take her drama education and her extracurricular knowledge of the Seafull bio. And then she's got one credit, which isn't really a credit. Wait, why has she got a whole bio written for her if she's only wet herself in threads, was it called? In 1984, yeah. And there she is. And that must be a photo from the film in which she wets Maybe herself. Maybe that's the exact moment. It could be. She looks like she probably is doing right now. Yeah, um, unfortunately she she passed away in 2015. A oh, legend. Oh. Uh, this is the first time hearing of this because as I said I haven't checked for a while but oh, She was man. born in 1952 so So this is what you're talking about though like woman who urinates on herself in the credits that's that's the kind of exactly caliber, yeah? Yeah, so there's this new game coming out it's to celebrate those sorts of characters. So they picked one. They picked one at random. Um, they they chose um, for the for the uh, antagonist of the game. Mm. Uh, it's Man Three from uh, oh. from Iron Man, the first Iron Man film. There's just a man in a, in a crowd somewhere. He's called mm. Man Three. Um, and uh, so your whole goal in the game is to is to hunt down this antagonist and just. Just whack him. Just whack him right in the face. You know, Just that's, whack him. That's all you're going for. Uh, coming soon. Uh, this month, I believe. Hit Man 3. Oh, wow. You have to be careful how you say it, because actually, I'm told that there's like another game coming out that's like legally, it's legally similar. Yeah. Um, so if you if you do the, the sort of the staccato wrong, mm-hmm. it can sound like... Hit. Something, something else. Hitman Three. You don't want that. Oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's, Hit, that's the one, 3. right? Yeah, that's it. Did but you know that. that Hitman Three has been having some problems because all the reviews were went live. I think on inauguration day or the day before. All oh, right. So there was just Hitman Hitman reviews trending all over Twitter and oh, stuff. Oh god. <laughs> uh, which I think caused caused a few issues. But this isn't that. It's not caused that a bit one. of a panic. Yeah. That, yeah. Oh no! You've got to hit man three. Man three. In fact, there might even be a, a hash symbol before the three. You know, like a. I think in America they call it a pound. Pound. Right. Didn't you know, we used to call it pound signs as well in a long, long time ago? Maybe. I think we ca- we did also call it hash before it became hashtag. But yes. yeah. I never know what to call it now when I'm when I'm describing that yeah. symbol. You know, to people who aren't our age, because I I just sort of expect an eye roll. You know? I sort of replace it with the nerd, with the word number. Often. Yes, yeah. see that's good. That's clever. Hitman number three is, yeah. is coming. Hitman soon. small um, small knots and crosses game. Yeah, layout three that hasn't been started yet. There's no knots and crosses on no it. Knots and crosses in it yet. Yeah, no. Yeah. So Hitman three, very exciting sponsor. 
Mm -hmm. Looking forward to playing that. Yeah, me too. Sounds great. Can't wait to get that guy from Iron Man. I've got lots of uh, Man 3 merchandise, posters and and the like, yeah. Oh, fantastic. I'm a huge fan. All right, well. um, Oh, by the way, it's not real. Anyway. No, come on, stop it. Is it not? No, no, it's not. I'm sorry. Sorry. Bugger, you really got me there. I really got you there. Um, I thought it was real. Oh, well, it's not. It's Damn not. it. Man 3 isn't even real. I've checked Iron Man oh, credits. It only goes up to 2, doesn't it? Yeah, and then it goes, there's number 4 for some reason. But right. uh, yeah, they didn't even have a third man in Iron Man. Just skips it entirely. I think maybe the third man was Iron Man, so he's credited as Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why two background extras got top billing over Tony Stark, but, you know, it happens, I guess. That's just how it goes sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, that is just how it goes. No, this isn't a real sponsor. Of course, our actual sponsor, as it is each and every week, of the wonderful patrons over at patreon.com forward slash team triple jump, where we have loads of tiers available that you can support us financially at. The lowest tier, $1, gets you access to asking questions on this podcast. So why why wouldn't, why wouldn't you consider maybe doing that? Yeah, huh? what? Why, why not? Why go do that? All the questions we've got this week come from the patrons who support us there. So if you want to get involved, consider doing that. Patreon.com forward slash Team Triple Jump. Where are we walking today? Uh, we are walking... Hmm... Maybe across mm-hmm. some sort of, uh, if there is a copyright-free one out there that's not on, like, Associated Press, mm. maybe just a photo of the inauguration or Capitol Hill or something like that. Yeah. Yeah? Why not? It's, yeah. it's a cause for celebration. Topical. We haven't had many of those. No. So, yeah. yeah, I say go for it. That sounds nice. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. It's Welcome to the inauguration special episode Team yeah. Jump will be answering inauguration-related questions today, and uh, we hope you enjoy it. This is the last time we'll be talking about it for this episode. Yeah, so that's it. we hope you've enjoyed that too. Mm. Peter, who's our first question from? This question is from Robert Mansell. Mm. Uh, and Robert says, How do you feel about grinding-type moments in games? Sometimes games require you to grind or do repetitive tasks to achieve something. For example, trying to hatch shiny Pokemon or levelling up in an RPG because an area is just too difficult or unbalanced. Does this ruin a game for you? I currently want a team of shiny Pokemon in Pokemon Sword, but I don't have the patience to do it. Are there any games you've... Uh, are there any games you've quite playing because of grinding? Oh, quit. quit I'm sorry. Yeah. Should have read the whole sentence. Are there any games you've quit playing because of grinding? Sorry if this is a mess of words. Love you both and your team. And then at the end it says Kes Kes instead of Kies Kies. But I like Kes Kes. Yes, um, that's the name of... Um, what's his name? Oh, the, the Kestrel in, yes. in Kes. Craig David. Craig David. Craig David's Kestrel from... What's it called? What's that show called? Uh, Bo Selector. Yeah. Bo yeah. Selector. You remember Bo Selector? I, I never really watched it. Does he have a... a what, a Kestrel? Yeah. Called Kestrel. A Kestrel, he called it Arkez. Arkez. Oh, well, yeah. yeah it's, it's from, from the film Kez, I guess. And maybe is it a book as well? I don't oh, know. Oh, I have no idea. See, you're beyond you're beyond where I'm <laughs> where my knowledge ends, which is Bo Selector on most 
most things. It's about a northern boy with a kestrel, so I guess it's a sort of reference that's, to that. That's Bo Selector, yeah, that's mm. it. Same, same show. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's it. It's Craig David. Um, so, I mean, for me, to an extent, it depends on the game. I think it just kind of depends on whether the grind is actually fun, because it can be. You know, sometimes a grind is only a grind in so much as you are doing the same thing over and over in order to achieve a great for the greater good. Mm. But but you can enjoy doing that. And in that sense, it's not a grind because it doesn't feel like a chore, you know. So, for example, uh, you know, I used to grind in MMOs, but, you know, as much as anything else, I just liked going out into a an instance with my with some friends in like my guild or whatever. And just, you know, just like chat to them while we just walked around like attacking loads of medium enemies you know i used to play a bit of guild wars back in the day um i did play runescape as well but not um i I never really did any quests or anything i just used to run around and talk to people like it was club penguin or have a hotel (laughs) yeah um but uh so yeah in mmos i didn't mind doing it because i would just i just kind of chat to my friends and stuff and in something like um uh, like in Battlefront 2, which I, I know I, I talk about quite a lot, um, I you know you have to you have to do a lot in that game, particularly when you first start to un- first to unlock heroes and stuff, uh, which was the whole source of the controversy around it. Um, but also, you know, it's it's got a progression system where you unlock weapons over time. Like the more you level up in each class, um, then like eventually other weapons become available to you. And I do that not even necessarily to like unlock certain things although i do you know i have things in mind where i'm like oh that would be quite nice to unlock that eventually but i'm doing it because i want to play the game and the whole point of the game is to go out and just like have some fps matches against people and uh you know just just play the game and so whether that even counts as a grind i don't know like yeah i'm doing it with partly with the goal in mind to unlock some new stuff but i'm just i'm just having fun i'm just playing the game as i would be so um Outside of that, I can't really think of that many games that I've played that are super grindy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't know about you if you've if you, you've played a lot or not many. Um, yeah, well, a lot of games have grinding sort of built in, unless you're some kind of god at the game. Although mm. sometimes the games don't even allow for skill to have any or play any part in in how you get on. For example, I've been playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and I, I'll talk about it more, obviously, in a minute. Yeah. But there are bits in that where, you know, just around the corner from your settlement, there's a raid you can do, and you can run up and try and get the gold, but everyone's a far higher level than you. Mm. And And it basically says, no, don't come here yet. But then part of me thinks, well, what the hell is it doing here? Yeah, why is it place so close? What's going on with the flow of this game? Where I feel like I sh- I'm I'm here getting frustrated that like an errant arrow is taking my entire health bar off from an enemy I can't see mm. when I've cleared out most of the thing very carefully. You know, running away and healing up and coming back and reviving my allies off the floor and stuff like that. And then whoop, one arrow and here's a terrible checkpoint time to do it all again yeah you know i don't like stuff like that and sometimes grinding you know is the only way to come back and and do that but you have to do it later on um bloodborne and dark souls and stuff like that it's encouraged that you you grind at least a little bit to level up and stuff but as proven by a multitude of of people especially speedrunners you don't have to be a very high level to absolutely you know 
turn those games into mincemeat, basically, mm. and fly through them. So grinding isn't always necessary. But I used to I used to grind a lot in Pokemon, leveling up my party, especially in the opening areas before I moved on and then inevitably just settled on using one Pokemon for the rest of the run. Yeah. Because that, you know, once you start leveling them up, they're pretty much unbeatable. Uh so I I don't think I don't think grinding ruins games necessarily. And it, I think it depends on the context and sometimes you sort of know what you're getting into with a game that requires grinding. For example, the shiny Pokémon in Pokémon isn't necessary to to the game. You know, mm. you don't need shiny Pokémon to finish a Pokémon game. That's just a a cosmetic flex to show that you've put in the time. Yeah. And well, it's irritating that it, it's entirely random and, and there's a small chance of you getting them and it takes forever, it's not necessary. Whereas in a game like RuneScape, for example, as you said, you do need to level up. And I used to do a lot of grinding in RuneScape too. But yeah. that's pretty much all you do in that game is just level up your skills. That's mm. it, pretty much. And then you pick quests that you want to do based on the amount of XP they give you for, for certain categories. Um so no, I don't think I don't think grinding ruins games. I think some games do grinding better better than others. Some games it's just vital that you do it. Some games it's encouraged, but you don't need to. But man, I just I want the option of still being able like standing a chance at succeeding without grinding, you know? Through yeah. skill or tactics or whatever. Like theoretically with Pokemon I mean, if you go in there with a level 5 Pokemon against a level 40 Pokemon, you're going to lose. But if you go in there with a level 30 Pokemon and you have the right moves and you, you play tactically and you, you play to the opponent's weaknesses and stuff, you could you stand a very good chance of winning. Yeah. And, and I appreciate that rather than just being, you need to be this number to do this thing. Mm-hmm. And that's that's less fun. Yeah. I mean, I guess part of the reason why I feel like I don't play that many games that feature grinding is that again I just I don't I don't feel like I'm doing it all the time like so for example I've obviously I've played Assassin's Creed Valhalla but I didn't kind of um I didn't although I would encounter things where I thought oh man well that's that's for later I would then just think well I'll just continue with like the main quest or I'll go and do some side quests or I'll 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 do I'll do some exploration and you know it's almost incidental that you 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 level up and start you know you you get better as the game goes on and yeah that is that's that is kind of what grinding is but i i kind of to me grinding has a connotation about it as well that you're kind of doing something that you wouldn't necessarily choose to do but you're doing it so that you can you know get better or so that your character can can improve um and uh yeah i guess i try and play games where possible um in a way that I don't feel like I'm doing that to myself. I just mm. I tell myself that well I'm just playing the game because I want to and I'm you know I want I want to do these quests these side quests or I want to go and explore and attack some enemies and stuff and you know and I'm just gaining XP as I do it. So yeah, there's probably actually a few that I can't even think of because I just don't have that that label in my head. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it'd be interesting to to know how much grinding I've done without even kind of realizing that I'm doing yeah. it. But I guess that's the attitude. If you're if you're playing a game like that, just sort of try and try and do it in that way that you know it doesn't feel like a chore. Just enjoy it for get find some enjoyment where you can. I guess. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. I suppose the definition of grinding is it varies as well. Like I've definitely grinded for trophies before, where you yeah. know I'm either endlessly attempting a task to to try and succeed. For example, that ridiculous trial run in in Sackboy. Yeah. Or just going around collecting things, or getting a certain amount of kills in a certain way to fulfill criteria, etc. That sort of stuff. Um, uh, but also, you know, certain. Certain games, I think, just by their very nature, sort of become a grind in the end game. Mm, so yeah. Marvel's Avengers, for example, when I played that for a little bit beyond the story ending, like there was no story there, not really. It was so minimal that all the new missions I was playing were literally just to level up my character. And at that point, it, I suppose, by definition, it pretty much was just grinding. I was just there mindlessly playing through these tedious repetitive missions that were new new to my character but not really anything i had to pay attention to yeah and so you know i could just stick on a podcast or music and and it was just busy work really yeah Uh, but i don't think i've ever quit a game you know or just left a game alone forever because of grinding and i guess almost a sort of subtype of grinding would be farming to to an extent that like so I remember um, in Kingdom Hearts 1, there's an optional boss where you fight Sephiroth. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got this move that he can do. I don't know if it's based on something from from Kingdom Heart, uh, from uh, from Final Fantasy, where he can uh, knock all of your health down to one HP mm-hmm. in a single... He just sort of says a word and he doesn't even have to touch you. He's on the other side of the arena and he'll just do it if you don't interrupt him. Yeah. All your HP will go to one and all your MP will go to zero so you can't use your cure spell on yourself either. So you've got one HP and you've got no magic to cure yourself. So the best thing to do is to go into that um, fight with loads and loads of elixir pot- elixir potions which will fill up your health and magic if you use one. Mm-hmm. So I did a big old grind or farm for for money slash elixir potions if they were dropping or or money to uh, to buy them from a from a a, a store somewhere. Um, and I guess in a in a similar way, going out and just digging for cobblestone in Minecraft that's in its own yeah. way a kind of grind. And I've done plenty of that. So uh, yeah, it it it's, it does partly come down to semantics i suppose as well like how you define it um yeah yeah it's built into games though they it is. get that playtime out of you as i said some definitely do it more obviously and worse than others but mm-hmm. uh, yeah it's varying degrees of is this a chore yeah question mark so yeah. yeah well it's time for a, a new section ben mm-hmm um, oh, sorry. It's not a new section at all. I've just realised we do this every week. What? Do yeah, we? yeah, we do. Yeah, I've never, seen, not, uh, I've never seen this before. Well, you might when I, I when I say it. About. It's called what we play in. Oh, it's what we play in time. Time to talk about what we play in. Peter, what are you playing? I have started Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh my god! It's happening. It's happening. Peter's finally working through the games that he's been trying to work through since sort of last year. Incredible. Um, wow, it's a good game, isn't it? I'm really liking it. Yeah. Um, so obviously I knew... I've Yeah, I've seen bits and bobs of it. I've seen clips. And, you know, when you do a list YouTube, cha- uh, YouTube channel or multiple list YouTube channels for the past couple of years, 
um, you do pick these things up over time, um, mm-hmm. either through stuff that you're presenting or stuff that other people have done on the channel that you're watching. So I obviously knew sort of what it looked like. I knew the, the vague design of the world, the overall aesthetic of the kind of tribal slash mechanical things. Um, I knew a little bit about Aloy, um, and I'd seen how the game played to a certain extent, but there's nothing quite like being hands-on with a game uh, to get the full experience. So, you know, you can you can sit and look, watch as many little snippets as you like, but um, to actually sit down with a controller in hand... Man, I really like the way that, ga- that game plays in terms of flow, because you can kind of take the piss a little bit with how you traverse the landscape. I found myself sprinting and running and rolling over certain sorts of rocks and inclines that I'm not saying I shouldn't have been able to in like in a real world scenario like I'm, I wasn't going up a vertical face or whatever mm-hmm. but other video games would not have let me do what I was doing because they just don't like it when you when you interact with certain geometry in that way but you can really just kind of roll around and and charge up and down mountains in that game and it lets you do it and it handles it really well and that's a kind of that's a bit of a weird maybe that's a, a weird starting point for my discussion as as to how I'm finding Horizon that oh yeah I can climb up rocks really easily but um yeah I just I just like the way that I can charge through that thing uh and not stumble over um mm. but uh I mean I'm I'm already really invested in the story um I've Basically, I mean, it, I think I can kind of talk about story for a game that's that old um, at this point without spoiling it for too many people. I've got to the to the main little sort of town, um, ready for the uh, the the proving. So yep. that's what I'm going to be doing next. Um, and uh, yeah, already I care a lot about these characters. I'm intrigued by the world. I want to know what has happened, both on a personal level to more than one character, and also. I want to know how the world got to where it is. You know, I've heard little, a few little recordings already that I found, um, and uh, yeah, you, you you want to know how the how the world ended up that way. I've got you know already sort of a vague theory that AI and and machines just took over the world and thought, hey, this is a good form to take in order to survive well but you know there's got to be more nuance to it than that so uh so yeah it's it's very exciting and uh i'm also killing every single animal that i come across because it's just fun to shoot stuff with bows and arrows in that game isn't it Um, and when i say animal i mean like actual real life wildlife you know i i sometimes avoid the machines because it's just easier but mm. hey, if I see a turkey, that turkey is going to die. That's a dead turkey already. It's a dead turkey right there. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. Mm-hmm. So really having a good time already. And I've not actually played that much this week. So um can't really can't can't wait to sit down and play some more. Excellent. Um and I think outside of just sort of streaming things and so on, that's actually that's the only thing I've played. Um just on and off throughout the week. So Nice. Yeah. There you go. Nice. What about you? What are you playing? I've played Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, the game. Ah, happy anniversary. The re-release. Thank you. I loved the film when it came out 10, year, 10 years ago. Ten years I loved ago. the game when it came out 10 years ago as mm-hmm. well. Uh, obviously got into the game because of the, the movie. And while the 
while the game is based more on the comic or the graphic novel, I should say, mm. that the movie is based on than the movie, there's definitely similarities in like character design and how they were portrayed in the like how things were portrayed in the movie definitely influences the game as well. So if you if you're not familiar with it, it's a side scrolling beat 'em up up to four players where you can play as Scott and his friends and this version is a re-release because it was taken down from various storefronts and stuff and started to disappear, which is really sad. Hmm. Um, and it includes all the DRC, so you can play as Knives and Wallace as well. So there's a, there's a couple of extra characters. You level up as you go, you collect money from beating up baddies, and you can level up certain stats and stuff with the money, you can buy things, and it's all very funny, and the art style is really, really nice. The music's incredible done by Anna Gucci, which is a band that, that makes all their music with the chip tunes and the blip blops and the beep boops. And, yeah. Um, it's really good. I really loved that game back in the day. It's a very and pretty game. I sat and played it with you for sort of one little, one sitting, I think. Did we? Came... Did, did we play that at one point? Definitely. I can't remember what for, but like that's the only time only time I would have ever played it, and I remember playing mm. it. It might have been at what culture, actually. It might not have been at your, Maybe. your flat. I can't remember if it was at your place or... If it was for a video somewhere, like a stream, but um, yeah, I don't think we streamed it. Uh, it must no. have just been for fun. I must yeah. have just had my PS3 in the in the living room or something because, mm. uh, yeah, it's it, I've had it just installed on my PS3. I think ever since because it's disappeared and now it's back finally. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's a it's the PS4 slash current gen version. So I played it on PS5 uh, through backwards compatibility and it's now got online support as well. The online does not work at all and I kept crashing out of people's games and getting disconnected and people would join and things wouldn't load properly so a bus would come onto the screen and the bus is meant to come onto the screen and then drive off and reveal a load of enemies that it's dropped off but the bus arrived and it would never move again <laughs> and it's just like weird stuff like that. So the online does not work currently which is a real shame right and, and i hope they patch that um but obviously local multiplayer is fine i play through the whole thing on my own it's really bloody difficult to start with you get the crap beaten out of you all the time mm. and it's only when you start to level up and buy certain power-ups that permanently buff your chosen character that you actually start to succeed because it it really is you do just get the crap beaten out of you to begin with, and it is there's a brick wall in that sense. But if you persevere and just sort of grind, for grind it, maybe, yes, <laughs> and go collect some currency, you can then start to see some results. And there's lots of guides online about you know what you should spend your money on and stuff. But I really, really enjoyed playing that through. I did it last weekend, and it just it brought back a lot of memories. Just sat there, getting quietly frustrated, and then. Feeling you go from being massively underpowered to being a god very quickly in that mm. game, so that was nice. It was it was nice to experience that game again and own it again after so long. Lovely, yeah, such a lovely mm. game. Played some more zombies. Really enjoying zombies. Zombies mm. is the new war zone for my friends and I. We're yeah. always playing zombies now, so that's fun. Uh, Valhalla, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Mm. My frustrations and hang-ups on Ubisoft open world games are well known on this podcast. Yeah. And this is the first Assassin's Creed game I've played. Well, it's it's certainly the first one I've played since they made all those big sweeping changes with Odyssey and uh, Oranges. Remember Oranges, the one set in the in on the fruit? Assassin's Creed Oranges. 
Oh yeah, of course. Assassin's Creed Orange is it's a good the, the, one. There are sphinxes in it, but it's also about oranges. You just go around making Tropicana. Mmm. Oh, mm. Tropicana. Yum yum. Delicious. So much sugar though. Yeah. It's sad. Anyway, uh, so they obviously they've RPGified a, uh, it a, a lot since then, and this is my first experience with that. I dabbled with. Let's see. I platinumed Assassin's Creed Two. Brotherhood and Revelations. Hmm. Then I played Assassin's Creed 3 and I didn't like it, but I finished it. And then I played Assassin's Creed 4, which is a lot of people's favorites, and I just couldn't get into it. And since then, I've not been interested in Assassin's Creed. Right. Um, And that was also around the time that, you know, Far Cry 4 came out and it was basically more of Far Cry 3. And I started, I I really started to see the pattern emerging in Hmm. how Ubisoft designed their games. And I was like, I'm just not getting anything out of these anymore. Yeah. I, I don't enjoy it. Uh, so. This is this is this is me giving it another go, and on the whole, I quite like it. There yeah. are definitely I have some real frustrations with it. As I mentioned earlier, I don't like the fact that things are gate kept from me immediately. It's mm. sort of like I'm I'm here now. I'm a Viking and I'm here now. Can I please raid? No, you cannot. Ra- you must not raid. You will die. You will die. You're a Viking and you will die. Uh, I like. I'm enjoying the power fantasy of, of, you know, walking into a room in a cutscene and everyone going, Eivor, you Tony Robinson-sounding rascal. (laughs) He does sound like Tony Robinson a bit to me, and it's that accent for some reason. Really reminds me of Time Team, yeah. I I mean, I've almost forgotten exactly how his voice goes now. It's been a couple of weeks since I last uh, heard it, so I'll have to maybe watch a clip. There's just something about it that reminds me of Tony Robinson. But yeah, everyone's like, oh, here he is. Here's the guy who likes to kill everyone. I'm like, yeah, it's that's Tony. me. It's Tony. It's time to consult the GeoFizz. Yeah. And see where the see where this bloody... The door's barred, is it, from this side? Well, how the hell do I get in? Because there's no windows on this longhouse. Whatever it is, you know? Mm. Can't get in. Uh, so I like that. I really like the setting of England. I find that really interesting. And seeing yeah. all the Roman structures still there, albeit in ruins, is fascinating. Like, it's a really pretty game. Mm. And it gives me big Witcher 3 vibes in that sense. Just very lush and vibrant and orange and green. And, you know, it's just a very, very good-looking game. Um, I d- I'm not a fan of the leveling-up system. You know, hit spend a skill point and get two point five percent extra stealth. That like, I don't care about yeah. that. That's yeah. rubbish. I hate that. That's really meaningless. I was also up until I actually started to level up a bit, not a fan of the combat either, because I just right. I just felt like I was I was getting killed a lot, and I don't like the fact that the dodge and roll is on is square instead of circle because they can't map two things to the same button. Yeah, I think um, I changed my uh, shoulder button controls in that game as well because I didn't like the way I think it was the way the bow is controlled. I think right. I switched that round, but okay. yeah, yeah, I, I wasn't a fan of that. It's growing on me now now that I'm getting used to it. But I'm I know there's lots of different weapon types, and I am trying to experiment with them. But I just I just yeah I just wasn't really enjoying that. I've, I also found the um, the stealth not very good. I just mm. found myself getting caught really easily all the time. Like, I'd put my cloak up and I would walk through a town where it says, oh, you're yeah. not trusted. And then they would immediately all spot me and my hood would just come down. and be like, oh, okay. All I right, had that looks too. like we're fighting. I'd, it's I'd probably because along. you don't have enough 1% increases well, to your stealth. Yeah. 
But I'd be, I'd be walking, like, you know, my, my thumbstick barely even leaning forward at all. I've got a hood up, and I'm trying to just blend in. Like, the game tells you to right at the start. It's like, if, if you put your hood up and walk, you'll blend in. Mm-hmm. And then I just slowly see, like, a, a bar increase and increase and increase. And it's like, no, they've seen me, they've seen me. Yeah. And then I'd have to sprint out of the town again and reset. So the yeah. hidden blade is pretty much useless to me. Mm. And as has been seemingly increasingly the case with Assassin's Creed over the years, the Assassin's part is becoming less relevant. Yeah. And it's becoming more annoying that it's even there. You know, I've done my bit where I was pulled out of the animus to walk around my little hut in, Christ, in America. I know. And it's just, just like, I hate this. I don't want this. I just want to be a Viking. So is a Viking game where you're not doing any assassinating or sneaking, it's actually pretty good. Yeah. And it's the level of detail that only the sort of the manpower or woman power and woman power and other power that Ubisoft and their vast network of studios can pull off. You know, that level of detail in the open world is really impressive. Mm. And I am for my own sanity to try and get through this game because I don't I'm, I'm, I don't like the amount of things that are on the map. I still don't yeah. like how they do that. There's just too much. And it's all there all the time, and I don't like it. And so I am mainlining this game. Right. I am getting in my boat, and I am just traveling to the objective. And if there's any raids to do on the way, I will do them. And and that's it. And that's all I'm doing. And that is the way that I'm enjoying this game so far. But given that they are also selling one of those bloody things, you know, that like they did for Odyssey quite infamously... Where, like an accelerator pass that you can buy so you can yeah. level up quicker. Like that's mm. just, they're solving a problem that they've created by making yeah. their games too big. And if I reach a point where the main story says, right, main story suggested power level for this is 120 and you're only level 70, it's at that point, going back to our first question, that grinding may put me off a game. Because mm. I'm not spending money and I'm also not going to run around the map collecting treasures and doing side quests and stuff because i just don't there's just too much of it and it will i will be playing this game forever and i don't want to be doing that so on the whole as a viking game set in an interesting setting very pretty i'm enjoying it but the fact that all this all the baggage that comes with it being part of the assassin's creed series is what's putting me off it which is what i always knew it would do but i'm I'm hoping i can get through this game to the end i hope i'm gonna try it's what put me off because I think I, I knew that I could sit and, and continue to play it uh, now at the moment if, if I really wanted to. But for one thing, I had other games calling to me that I kind of wanted to play more or had been wanting to play for longer. Um, and I knew that even though I do currently have the patience to continue with it now, I don't think I would have the patience to complete it. So I almost kind of thought, well, if I'm not going to complete it anyway... You know, if I if I if I'd rather just like tap out now and come back to it later, I may as well because I'm not going to finish it on this run either way. So you know, if if I want to go and play Horizon instead, I've got a taste for this game. I've enjoyed exploring the world. I've done some like side questy things and collectible things. I've done some main questy things, um, but you know, I too found it. I thought it was a bit a bit contrived how they made it an assassin's creed game by having this is a really minor spoiler but like or or just the the way that he acquires the hidden blade yeah because of course a viking wouldn't have a hidden blade but conveniently he ends up with one through 
a story piece that happens. A guy. A guy. Um, and, of course, yeah, cutting out of the, the animus and having to wander around in America, um, I just thought was like... Because one of the last Assassin's Creed games I played seriously was Syndicate. Mm. And I seem to remember that game not actually having any playable bits outside of the animus. I think it was always a cutscene. So you could just kind of... I can't remember if it let you skip it. It probably did. But if not, you could just kind of zone out and think, all right, well, soon this cutscene will be done and I'll be back in the animus again and continuing. Mm. It didn't make you... As the moment it gave me control outside of the animus, I was like, flip this. Like, I do not <laughs> want anything to do with this story arc. Yeah. I don't know what has happened up to this point. Apparently, we're in some sort of post-apocalypse, seemingly, yeah. or, you know, dystopia anyway. Um, and I, I just have no interest at all in that. And yeah, I want to live in Viking Britain. I that's, do. That's what I signed up for. Mm. And, I, yeah. and I like it. So there we go. There's sort of like a mini Assassin's Creed review discussion there. Yeah, we didn't actually um, do a, a thing on it, did we? A, um, we didn't. We didn't. I think maybe just, just because it was after it. the fact, wasn't it? Yeah, it was sort of a little not while really after much the launch. Point. But there yeah. you go. Uh, on the whole, I am liking it. Like I will echo what I've always said about Assassin's Creed games: is that I don't think they're bad. They just they're just not for me. Yeah. And the same things that have always put me off are definitely still present here. But I think there's a lot to be said for the strength of and the quality of the world that they've created. Mm. Uh, yeah. That actually I want to keep playing it and and persevere and see where it goes. So I will report back. Uh, but God, the hours just. You just have to pour a lot of hours into that game. I've already put like 11 hours into that game. Yeah, I just didn't want to do it anymore. It just but. it just keeps racking up and up and up. And I hope that uh, the story quests keep a rolling, rolling on through rather than, okay, I've got the equivalent of the Spider-Man games. Where it's like, I've got some time to kill. I should go on patrol. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, now go do side quests for 12 hours. No, I don't want to. I really don't want to do that. Please let me experience this story a bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we will see. Anyway, that's what I've been playing. We've got a question, Peter, from Big the Cat. Yes, who asks, what is the best way a game has incorporated respawning into the story, e.g., kindling of fire in Dark Souls and repatriation in Death Stranding? It's a good question. I like this question. Thank yeah. you, Big the Cat. What are the best deaths, death explanations that you've, um, you've had? I've got a really weird one, but it. I think it's a bit... I think it kind of divides the audience. Some people thought it was just completely confusing and strange. and <laughs> okay. uh, But uh, I think it was fun, at least, and different. It was very different. And it kind of worked in-universe, which was the one in the original Prey, or Prey 1, if you want to get serious about this. Yeah. Uh, did you ever play... Well, I know you didn't play that game, but are you aware of what the the respawning was like in that no, game. No, I, I know very little apart from the fact that you played as as a Native American, is that Well, right? exactly. Yeah, so you played as a Native American and you end up on a, a sci-fi spaceship. So it's mostly a, a science fiction game uh, where you've got, you know, the, the ship is a sort of weird mixture of metal spaceship and also horribly organic. Like there's sort of pipes coming out of the wall that end with sort of sphincters and things it's really gross Mm. and all the weapons are like that too but when you die in that game you suddenly end up with a it completely pulls the rug from under you in terms of genre and theme and aesthetic and you end up in the native american spirit world with a ghost bow and arrow in your hand and you and there's all these birds ghost birds flying around uh on sort of in the distance and you have to shoot down 
spirit birds and then their spirits kind of come into you and i think that is sort of like re it's sort of reanimating you you're kind of gathering spirit energy uh i don't remember the exact sort of terminology they use or anything like that but it was very strange like you would die (laughs) and suddenly you're on this like rock floating in a just a complete empty void and you have to shoot all these like falcon eagle things as they fly around and i think as the game gets harder um that mini game in itself gets slightly more difficult as well and that there's like smaller rocks floating in the sky that the birds sometimes like are behind so you have to it's just like slightly harder to shoot them but yeah it's it's a really weird thing but it it sort of works in universe in that you know i guess it's kind of part of his spirituality and his 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 belief system that you know there's this other plane out there as i say i'm probably butchering something that either is a, a genuine part of native american culture or i'm implying that it is when it actually isn't and both of those things are probably slightly disrespectful but <laughs> uh you know it was a very strange but interesting uh mechanic um i also though i remember um in prince of persia sons of time do you remember what would happen when you died in that game you would like so you would like fall off a cliff mm-hmm. and the prince he narrates that whole game so in cutscenes, he would say like you know I made my way up to the balcony and uh, I, I spoke to the person who was there. Uh, but if you would fall down a cliff or something, he would go, no, 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 wait, no, sorry, that's not how it happened. Let me let, let me go back a bit. So he would just sort of say like, no, wait, I, that no, 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 that's not what happened. And he would just backtrack. I think even that's when he good. tried to qu- quit out of the game, he would say like, oh, but I've, I've not finished my story. You sure, you sure you want me to go? And then he would say yes and go, all right then. <laughs> uh so it's just sort of strangely yeah, narrated cool. the entire thing but it was pretty cool yeah yeah it's fun when a game can tie its sort of the respawning and death in into its world and its narrative like that yeah and not like every bioshock i guess yeah exactly yeah the vita chambers in bioshock is another great one uh, mm. but not every game can do that obviously it wouldn't make contextual sense for joel from the last of us to fall off a roof or something and then no. suddenly come back you know there'd yeah. be no in universe so it, it, they're there for a lot of games their only choice is to just put mission failed or yeah. game over reload last checkpoint like that obviously you know you have to do that i always liked how pokemon did it where you don't mm-hmm. really get a game over or you don't obviously they don't die either you black out and yeah. you wake up at the pokemon center and the pokemon center obviously serves a very valid purpose but it's not like you have to reset to your latest save or a checkpoint it's just the last pokemon center you visited is the Mm. one that you respawn at but all the pokemon um that you've captured are still there your pokemon are still the same level all the trainers you've defeated up until the point where you lost are still there if if indeed it was a trainer you lost to and not just a wild pokemon um apart from the pokemon league obviously where you have to start again if you if you lose but uh yeah i always liked how it did that it just made sense made sense in the world uh bloodborne and dark souls and those sorts of games do it very well they tie it into the fact that you are the chosen undead for example in dark souls and varying you know variations of that across the different dark souls games Mm. where you are when you die you come back as as like a you know like bacon babs you just all you're all shriveled and pink and you're delicious (laughs) until you regain your humanity um and the same goes for Demon Souls. Obviously, you're trapped in the Nexus. Your your spirit is trapped in the Nexus. So every time you die, you you cannot die. You just come back to the Nexus, um, or you know whatever. 
And Bloodborne, of course, you're in your part. You're, you're tied to the hunter's dream, mm. where you awaken in the waking the waking world, and because of that, when you die, you're still you're still in the dream. So you can't you can't really die until the game is done, which is you know fun. It's fun how it how it does it. I like yeah. how Assassin's Creed as well explains it away where it says desynchronized when you die. Yeah, that's yeah, one of the perks that. of the, yeah. of the animus stuff. Is like oh yeah, none of this is real. And, no, and so yeah, we, you sort of ended up on the wrong timeline, or yeah, this yeah, your memory is incorrect here. Sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. So you you come back and stuff. So there's there's lots of cool things that games do to to explain that stuff. I think similarly to Prey, uh, yeah, I can't really remember it because it was a, what 2014 now. But uh, Shadow of Mordor, the Lord of the Rings game. Mm, when yeah. you die, I think you sort of talk to the. The ghost elf who's inside you, Troy Baker, the ghost elf. The ghost inside my whatever he is. Yeah, who sort of scolds. Yeah. Oh no, Troy Baker plays the main character. I think I can't really remember anything about that game. People loved it. I wasn't wasn't a big fan of it. Anyway, mm. the point is, I think you have you have sort of a chin wag, and then you come back. And of course, Sekiro, you can die twice. You can just get up off the floor. Mm. So yeah, lots of cool stuff. Yeah, um, I was just thinking then. I don't know if... I mean, at the time, I didn't really question it, but I don't know if I actually like the way that GTA does it when I think about it, or certainly the older games. So you would either... If you got busted after going on an absolute rampage, just thousands dead, Hmm. you would then just be, like, deposited at the police station as though they'd, like, taken you in, given you a little slap on the wrist, and then said, right, be on your way. Imagine if it was realistic. Yeah, well, I, I know I'm not suggesting you should then have to sit in prison for the next 60 years, but yeah. you know, it should almost, I almost kind of wish it would just game over you and send you back to a, a checkpoint. Into, in, in a way, I think that would be more realistic than uh, saying, right, off to the police station with you, but uh, hey, don't do it again. <laughs> uh, or if you get wasted, you would end up at the hospital. But this is America, ladies and gentlemen. Surely you should take a massive monetary... Uh, yeah, that's true. Hit if you end up at the hospital. I don't know. Um, very true. Just an idea. So uh, I think you'll find that that's not very accurate. No, the way it that takes they me do out that. Of the experience with the the jetpacks and the flying. Yeah, the, as the I say, through the at city. the time, it certainly didn't take me out of the experience. <laughs> but uh, you know, just thinking about it, yeah, it's, uh, it doesn't it almost doesn't fit with the in-universe in law. No, it doesn't. Um, Maybe we'll see a change in GTA Six. Yeah, who knows when if they ever release that? Mm. I don't think they will, but we'll see. Peter, it's time to move on. Yes, to a section that is a bit strange. Yes, it is. Do you have your paper? Uh, I've got. Uh, I've moved on my desk. Yes, I've got some here. Excellent. Yes. Yep, I've got my paper. It's time for weird news. Weird news. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's weird news time. Time for some weird video game news. Peter, what have you got? I've got some weird news from Kotaku today because where else? You know, they're very good at weird news over at Kotaku. This is by Ian Walker, um, who has done an article entitled Mortal Kombat player disqualified from tournament for criticizing developers. Oh, oh. okay. No. During an official Mortal Kombat 11 Pro competition, spelt with a K, nice, yeah. uh, tournament on January the 16th, finalist Titanium Tigers, with two Zs on the end, was disqualified after jokingly calling out developer NetherRealm Studios by, la- uh, by labelling his Shiva variation, a personalised moveset that displays a custom name to opponents, as... Why did NRS do this? Right? Right. So, the disqualification made for an awkward moment on the stream. When the official broadcast cut away from the top eight match after just a few minutes, commentators Hussam Mitsunez Sharif and uh, Miguel Darth Armour Perez were left fumbling for words to explain what happened. Unfortunately, it looks like we have a little problem here and someone is being... We got a situation, Perez told viewers, while he and his partner appeared to listen to producers in their headphones. I don't know what we can publicly say, but we definitely have a situation here. Um, Shortly after, Perez said that Titanium Tiger's opponent would be advancing, despite the match having not been officially decided. No reason was given, but Perez went on to remind everyone to abide by the rules, everybody's got to be respectful, implying that that was the reason Titanium Tigers had been disqualified without coming out and saying so. NetherRealm Studios and parent company Warner Brothers Games have not responded to Kotaku's request for comment. The variation name Titanium Tigers... Uh, sorry, the very na- the variation name, Titanium Tigers, Tolkataku, was supposed to be a very mild criticism of Shiva's strengths. It was meant to be funny, since the character I was using is basically extremely easy, Titan- Titanium Tigers explained to me via DM. The joke was, why would they make such an easy character? Shiva has been a hot topic in MK lately due to her drag-and-drop-stomp attack, which apparently is, like, almost unblockable. Um right. Titanium Tigers and his opponent weren't told about the disqualification immediately and continued playing their off uh, their set off-stream for a few minutes. After being notified, he was allegedly left in the dark as to why he'd been disqualified and wasn't given a chance to rectify or challenge the situation. 
They banned me in the very first match where I used the name, he said. No opportunity to change the name was given and no one reached out to me. I'd have changed it instantly if I'd been given the option. Um, wow. While the official pro competition rules don't specifically mention these kinds of protests, the Code of Conduct section does give organisers discretion to disqualify players for just about any reason, it says. Brilliant. Um, and it's massively backfired because then in the MK community on Twitter, hashtag why did NRS do this was trending like wildfire. So <laughs> way um, to go, guys. It went well. Absolutely uh, smashed it. So there you go. People p- people uh, can just get banned from the competition for doing a joke name. Excellent. Then... What a what a welcoming community. Yeah. Or welcoming management, I should say. Who'd have thought management for a video game series where you could rip out spines and stuff would be quick to judge? Yeah, they're really offended and upset by that. Yeah, that's strange. Hmm. Anyway, weird. How weird? Weird news. Very weird news. It's time for some weird news from you, Ben. Yes, we're going to PCGamer.com. Ooh, okay. That's Natalie Clayton, mm-hmm. who's posted about the Bloodborne PSX game. I was going to read the title, but the how I started that sentence wouldn't have made any grammatical sense. The title is, Bloodborne PSX is a lo-fi demake of the From Software oh, Slasher. Yeah, I saw this, and for a minute I thought it was um, Nightmare Creatures when I was watching it. And I was like, hang on, <laughs> yeah. this isn't Nightmare Creatures. I don't, I've not read about it, though, so tell me more. Okay, here we go. Five years on, and a Bloodborne PC release still only looks marginally more likely than it did on day one. But while From Software's best game remains locked down on Sony's hardware, developer Lilith Walter's crunchy 90s demake of the gore-soaked Monster Hunter looks like one hell of an alternative. Okay, yes, it's called Bloodborne PSX, but no one's going to be playing through this lo-fi hunter's dream on old PlayStations. So, I would. Yeah, I would too. I mean, I hope that this gets fully released so I can stream it. Yeah. Because obviously they're not going to print it to discs because of all the, all of the legal issues. But it might be playable on... Like, they might be able to release an ISO to make it yeah. work on an emulator. I don't know how they're actually developing it there. So. No, me neither. Uh, so there's a, there's a tweet here from... Uh, who was it? Let me just check the name. I've complete. I've lost it. I've lost it. Where are you? Oh, Lilith. no. Lilith. Mm-hmm. Of uh, of Lilith, uh, a video of of the game running, and it it looks fantastic. Like mm. it's so blocky and <laughs> angular, murky. And the hunter looks amazing. Mm. Like the hunter design that you play as looks really good. You got the saw blade there. They've got like the wolf dog men people running around. Lots of missing assets and stuff. But as a sort of proof of concept, it looks amazing. Yeah, it looks so cool. Uh, for the past few weeks, for the past few weeks, sorry, Walter's feed has been steadily granting a peek into a world where Bloodborne comes out in 1995, not 2015. It's a little blockier, the environment's a little more barren, and it's all very work in progress so far. But the core of the game, that is, battering nightmare dogs with a rusty saw, is all there in its 420p glory. Developed using the Unreal Engine, Walter's demake isn't strictly a snapshot of what Bloodborne would look like in the mid-90s, but it's convincing, with enough of the same graphical quirks and crunchy textures to pull at the nostalgia of anyone with a fondness for that era. An impressive project in its own right, Bloodborne PSX also stands in conversation with a wider movement to bring back the wobbly vertices and fog-drenched environments of early 3D games, a movement that, through games like Paratopic? Paratopic? Mm -hmm. 
maybe? And the haunted PS1 label recognises the visual style's ability to create powerfully unsettling spaces. Mm. So I think we had a conversation about this in the past, didn't we? About how what what is considered a retro aesthetic for a game. Yeah. And how usually people just go for 8-bit or 16-bit yeah, or yeah. pixel art. Whereas, you know, PS1's designs and, and aesthetics are unique in their own right and evoke their own feelings. Yeah, I, I think I mentioned actually there's a YouTube channel um, of a a guy who's doing a similar project. He's, I think it's called Sorides with a Y in it, C-Y-R-E-I-D-E-S, I think, something like that. Uh, originally he was doing a Spyro fan project in the graphical style of Spyro. He then got like a cease and desist, so he had to rebrand the whole thing. And now it's basically the same thing, but it's all just sort of been asset swapped for a new new character, like a flying squirrel thing. Right. Um, and uh, he also recently just did a, a little extra project for like a Halloween themed game with this kid with like a little torch that's going around a haunted house. And he did an opening cutscene for it as well. And it's all done in that style and it's it really does like awaken something in you like you would think that your nostalgia for games like that is the nostalgia is for the games not and and that just seeing the art style somewhere else for a game you've never played before wouldn't necessarily make you feel anything in particular but mm-hmm. there is something about that you know seeing completely new content but in that visual style that really does uh, i think if you're if you're fond of that era uh, it really is very appealing. So, uh, and as yeah. you say, or as the article says, there's also something about that style that, especially with the fog and sort of horrible, disgusting textures, can really make something spooky. It can really add yeah. to horror. I think it's partly why Resi and Silent Hill were so successful back then, is because it just worked. You mm-hmm. know, absolutely, I agree. Um, I think we've had a similar discussion about how that extends to. There's a there's a contingent of people who believe that horror movies are best experienced on VHS yeah, for that yeah. same reason because of the clarity of DVD and Blu-ray and and so on and, and digital media mm. 1080p 4K something is lost by having a murky warped VHS to watch a horror film on you can see everything everything's clear there's no nuance and uh, and I think yeah it's similar it's similar to this and it's. It's cool, like I, because when you think of games that look like that, you don't necessarily think of refined control schemes or mm. excellent gameplay mechanics. Not saying that they don't exist, but the idea of a game built to modern standards that looks like that is very appealing. Yeah, be cool. Yeah. I'd I'd play that. Mm. So there's my weird news. Oh, that's the end of the article. There, all right. Yeah. Excellent. The next, uh, the next question, Peter, is actually from a different person. I got the name wrong. Oh, it's, oh, it's on the from, on the document. On the document, yeah, it's from the Jonin Cactar, I think. Well, well, actually, just before we got to that, yeah, I'm going to come out of Miller's voice because it's going to be a long, long okay. couple of sentences. I just wanted to. There was a story that I nearly brought along today by okay. Luke Plunkett, but I didn't bring it along because basically the entire story is in the headline. So I thought there would be no point reading out the full article. But it's Luke Plunkett, Kotaku. I'll just read you the headline because then I've literally covered it anyway. Man fined $270 for breaking lockdown to play Pokemon Go. Excellent. Um, It's even better than that in that they've done a conversion there. And it's actually a man in England who was fined £200. Uh, He took a 25-minute drive between Bedworth and Kenilworth. And the police caught him and fined him. What an idiot. Yeah. 
Thank you, Luke Plunkett. For God's sake. Uh, so from the Jonin Captoir. Yes. Okay, excellent. Um, do you think, as play, uh, PlayStation boys, you both miss out on a lot of critically acclaimed indie games? I recently played Return of the Obra Dinn and Outer Worlds for the first Wilds. time. What did I just say? Oh, I say Worlds. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Outer Worlds. They came Wilds. out at the same time as well, which is pretty Yeah, they confusing. did. I remember that at the time was a bit, uh, a bit confusing. Uh, and Outer Wilds uh, for the first time and immediately understood the praise they both received. I played them on PC, though, and I've always been under the impression that while these games get console releases, they fly under the radar a lot more amongst the exclusives and the AAA titles when they're released on console. Also, Outer Wilds flies under the radar of the Outer Worlds, potentially, or vice versa. So... Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting one because these they they don't get publicized. Obviously they don't get publicized as much as Spider-Man Miles Morales, for no. example. And the PC space, while a lot of games are exclusive to PC in that they're just developed for PC and that's it. PC isn't a manufacturer or a or a publisher in the same way that Sony or Microsoft or Nintendo are. Mm. Uh, so they're they're sort of completely different setups. However, if you are remotely plugged into games, full stop, you are aware of the the big names in in prominent indie titles and stuff. You know you know of them. Yeah. And while not all of them get console ports, the Switch is doing a very very good job of that. Mm. But while they they don't all get console ports to, to PlayStation 4 or 5, for example, it it generally comes down to being more of a case of interest versus time to play them. Exactly. Know? Like, I know of both of these games. I'm fairly sure... I don't know about the Obra Dinn, but I, I do know Outer Wilds is definitely on PlayStation. But I just haven't had the time to play them, and I've had other games that I would prefer to play. And it's it's not necessarily about missing out because I'm on console. It's missing out because I don't want to or have just haven't played them, and that's and that's it. That's my exact answer as well. It's just that you know, I mean, I'm I'm not hugely into indie games anyway. I know that's a bit of a generalized statement because the indie game, as we know, just means it's been made by an indie developer and it can be anything. It could be a, a driving game, a puzzle game, uh, you know, a, a roguelike. It could be any... So, you know, to say that I'm not into indie games is a bit of a silly thing to say. But um, the point the, the point is that if, if there were any indie games that I did like the look of... I mean, for one thing, I've got a PC. So if they were PC exclusives, I could play them anyway. But even in the case of those that as... Uh, as the the question the questionnaire mentioned who was it again we've got the wrong name written down as it's the jonin cactar oh yes of course uh you know some of them do come to console but they do sort of fly under some people's radar um you know i as you say i think number one being plugged into uh, or or you know being um interested in gaming news at all um you do tend to see these things around um, and then also, obviously, obviously in our job, we see them as well as as part of uh, our coverage of the likes of E3 and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think anything really major flies under our radar um, personally for us. I don't know about other people who are who are PlayStation gamers who aren't in this kind of job. But um, it's yeah, it's more of a case of whether I've got the time to play those sorts of games on top of everything else. I mean, I barely have time. It's no secret I barely have time to even play mainstream stuff uh, lately. So, you know, I'm not really going to be able to find the time to play indie stuff. But certainly, if anything 
tickled my fancy, I would give it a go. You know, I'm still thinking eventually I might uh, I might play... Oh, I've forgotten the name of it now. Um, there's like a, a top-down um, kind of real-time strategy city builder game that starts in prehistoric times. It's about to get a uh, an upgrade, I think, as well. But um, I'll have to look what look, look it up now. Um, hmm. Through, but uh, so yeah, there's there are there are some sort of smaller games that I would absolutely give. Oh, Humankind, it's called. Oh, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, I'll be, you know, I'll I try games as and when uh, I want to, but it's it's a question of time sometimes. Absolutely, and I I think. If you were to sit down someone who literally boots up their boots up their PlayStation or their Xbox One, PS4, Xbox One, and just plays the games that they've got access to, or just goes on the PlayStation Store or the you know XBLA or whatever that's called now, and you know scrolls, is it still XBLA? Or is, it just, uh, is it just a store now? I don't know. I don't it, know. It used to be the live arcade, that didn't it? Feels like a very old phrase, doesn't it? Does. It does. It feel I, they can't still be using that. I have no also, idea. I'm, I've never really been a, been on Xbox. Well, since Xbox 360, very briefly. So I don't. Uh, also, I should say it's Dawn of Man, not Humankind. Oh, Dawn hum- of Man. Okay. Yeah, Humankind is the other one that's coming out soon, but Dawn of right. Man is the one that's been out for a while. Um, gotcha. But- we're not doing a very good job of being convincing here, are we? That we no, that we do that we know. we're clued into <laughs> indie games. <laughs> the point yeah. that we're trying to make is that if you if you were to get someone to boot up their PS4 or their Xbox One, and that's all they do, they just boot it. They don't follow internet news or stuff like that. And they just go to the store, see what's available, and they just see the big adverts for Destiny 2 and stuff. They're probably not going to know about the new indie games. But likewise, if you've just got someone who boots up their PC and goes to Steam, they may not also know about those games. They're far more likely to be prominently featured than on consoles. But I think it's it's when it comes to independent games, by their very virtue, they are smaller than AAA games. There is an element of knowledge that is required to actually even be aware of them and that doesn't mm. that that stretches far beyond playing on pc yeah if you just if you just follow games you know about these games even if you can't play them you know it's not it it doesn't it doesn't make you sort of uh it, you don't get elevated access or privileges just by playing on pc i would say you know you don't no. get special knowledge <laughs> it does not how it works no no it it yeah people are still Generally, if if they want to be informed, they will be informed. Sort of yeah, thing. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And indie games are great as well. I do yeah. love an indie game, and I have been meaning to play uh, Outer Wilds as well. But again, it's just time. You know, I just don't. I don't have the time to do it when I've got Assassin's Creed Valhalla to get angry at. You know. Yeah, 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 for sure. Is um, is Little Devil Inside indie? I'm I'm just looking it up now. That was um, a Kickstarter game that's upset a lot of people. I think. Because Why does people, it upset people? People kickstarted it or go funded it or whatever it was, and they're and now PlayStation's publishing it, I believe. Yeah, I'm just checking. Citation needed, and I at think mo- some of the backers are annoyed about that. At the moment, on the Wikipedia page, it's saying developed and published by Neo Stream Interactive, oh, okay, maybe but not. that might might not be up to date. So, um, but you know, that's it, it, it's certainly it's indie style. I would say mm. you look at that and it feels like an indie game, and you know, that's an example of a game that I'm certainly intrigued buy and I, I will play whether or not it's technically indie at this point i don't know but um yeah. you know they, it, it certainly uh, serves as an example to show that those games do come along we are aware of them and if we want to play them we will and i will be mm-hmm. um 100 yeah. 100 yeah right it's time 
Mm. To move on. Yeah. To a big discussion. Big discussion. Big discussion time. It's time for the big discussion. The big discussion comes from Trevor Price. He says, Mm -hmm. hi guys, I've been playing my new Xbox Series S. It's fantastic for the price, but I do worry about the long-term value of the digital consoles. Will will these hold their value or simply be bargain bin rubbish in several years' time? I've also dug out my original Xbox over Christmas to play Revenge of the Sith and Mm -hmm. am reminded of the value the disc versions keep. Thanks, Boston and Patila. Patila. Yeah, I don't know where the L comes from. I was reading that before we... Like yesterday when you sent this over and I was like, where's the L in Patila from? Because neither of our names have L's in them. Yeah, it just looks like it's your name twice. Yeah. I'm barely present there. Yeah. Thanks, Trevor. (laughs) Benly present. (laughs) Um, So this is something, an aspect of this question we have touched on before, which is that physical stuff is great in the... You know, it lasts. You can play it whenever you like. You don't have to worry about servers going dead. Well, I mean, you do. If it's a later uh, game, if we're not talking about PS1, PS2 uh, era, um, there are games now that are considered old that have been affected by servers no longer being online. But certainly going going back a couple of generations, um, you know, if you're playing Revenge of the Sith or the likes of that, you know, I um, over Christmas... Um, I played some PS2 stuff instead of PS5 just to have a little break or a little change. And there's huge value there. And as far as I'm aware, all of the discs that I own from the late 90s and early noughties still run because I've always kind of been fairly respectful of my discs and put them straight back in the box. They don't seem to be too badly scratched up. So it's pretty crazy that something I bought that long ago still runs. So in terms of value... You know, probably only paid 20 or 30 quid for those games at the time uh, if you were just for inflation. And uh, wow, that, that's that's fantastic. But um, yeah, you do have to wor- wonder or worry potentially about the future value or the ongoing value of a digital-only console. I think for the very... Um, for the foreseeable future, we will... I don't think we need to worry too much about these digital-only versions of consoles becoming bargain bin rubbish. I think they're going to be supported for a very, very long time in terms of um, you know games coming out as digital versions on those consoles that can run well enough on the maybe downgraded hardware. Um, and you know, for as long as new games are being released, they will be uh, worthwhile having, especially for people who are on a budget or uh, people who aren't so bothered about having disc copies of things. Also, in the case of the Xbox, who's to say whether even more stuff will gradually be added to that library of uh, of of games that you can play from Xbox's past? So that only increases in value if if uh, they just add more and more over time. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think we need to worry too much about digital stuff. Um, and hello, ending up in a bargain bin anytime soon. Um, yeah, yeah, I I agree. I, I don't think those are gonna. You, you're not gonna. I don't think you're gonna regret buying an Xbox Series S. It is obviously inherently the budget version of the Series X, uh, because even though they both play the same games, obviously it doesn't have a disc drive, which inherently means it just doesn't have as many features, which makes it cheaper, but also means it misses out on features. Um, I think that. There's a good chance in the in the future that 
when we do move away from digital games, oh, sorry, physical games, I should say, mm. um, and we are exclusively digital, then you're not going to worry about you know missing out on things because there's a good chance that we're going to reach a point if indeed we do get another console generation, which I would assume I would assume that we would would get another console generation after this one, maybe. Mm. Uh, if we do, will any of them have or, or play physical media? Is, yeah, I don't know a, at this point. Is a good question. And if there's a version that does, will you even be able to play many things on it? Unless that's purely a function for backwards compatibility with previous systems. Yeah. Um, so while I I would always prefer to get a version that can play the physical media, because I do still enjoy physical media and I like having the games that are important to me there. You know, it's you reach a point where God, does it does it really matter that much? Especially if you've got your old system, you know, as as Trevor does. True, yeah. Uh for example, on PlayStation. There are the backwards compatibility. Uh, the backwards compatibility situation is not good. Mm. Uh, you can play PS4 games on yeah. PS5. On PS2, you could play PS1 games. On PS3, you could play PS1 games. And if you have the launch model, you could play PS2 games. Most of them, not all of them. And and that's it. And PS3 games are just stranded on the PS3. You can't play them unless you have a PS3. So, like I t- I've, as I've spoken about before, like if if when it comes down to it, I don't really use backwards compatibility at all. You know, not more recently than than PS4 games, which luckily PS5 plays. But that's only because PS4 games are still coming out. Yeah, you know? and it's and it's still a relevant platform. But the likelihood of me booting up a PS2 or a PS1 or a PS3, all of which I have in front of my TV, is unlikely because mm. I just don't revisit those games very often at all, if ever. It's nice to have the option, but in the long run, I, I don't think it's it's that important. And as we move forwards through time, backwards compatibility increasingly is probably going to be the only use of having a console that plays physical media, yeah. especially as the newer games move increasingly towards digital only. So in its current state, I understand Trevor's concern, but I think in the long run, he's going to be fine. I don't yeah. think it's going to make much of a difference, really. No. No, I don't think so. If if anything, it's the future, whether you want it or not. I think you know, it's it's not the case that digital only consoles will be uh, relegated to obscurity soon. If not enough people buy them, I think that in fact they're going to be that. That's what's going to be coming in the next couple of generations. You know, mm-hmm. there'll be no disc trays at all. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think there's no there's no concerns there. And people yeah. are going to continue to bring out versions that run just as well, relatively speaking, on these uh, slightly slimmed down models of consoles. So mm. um, it's very it's, it's it's a good option for people who uh, who can't afford to go for the big bucks. Um, yeah. And if and if and when I maybe decide to also get myself an Xbox because I've still got my old games. And uh, I I want to play my old games. I'll have to think about whether I want to. Um, yeah, I could just get a, a, a Series S and just play everything digitally. Um, don't have to worry about keeping old media. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it, it's an option. Yeah, I'm interested to see because again, I think 
it's backwards compatibility is where physical media is going to be important in the future if it is at all yeah uh, but i'll be interested to see what microsoft and xbox does next as the as the front runners of backwards compatibility obviously on pc backwards compatibility isn't really an issue at all unless you're trying to play something from windows 95 and you've yeah. got to install a, a sub operating system mm. sort of virtually run it um but I'll be interested to see how Microsoft uh, approaches that concern because while the Series S is the budget console and it doesn't have a disk drive and so inherently, <clears throat> excuse me, cannot play games backwards um, through backwards compatibility unless they're digital. Yeah. Um, surely it's going to reach a point where they're going to have to address that or someone's going to have to address that. There was talk when... Uh, the the PSP Go was coming out, which is the digital PSP that doesn't have a UMD drive. Mm. There was talk of of Sony <clears throat> actively pursuing a system where you could take your UMDs that you physically own and transfer them to digital versions of the games right. that you already own. They never did it because obviously that would have been too good and Sony would never give us that because how how could they? Uh, but also, it seems like a logistical nightmare. But it, it's, it's probably going to reach a point where that has to be resolved. Someone's going to have to resolve yeah. that issue or come up with a way around it. Well, or people will just be expected to buy things again. Because if it's in a generation's time, um, you know, so for now, you've got the option to either play physically or, or digitally. So if you've mm-hmm. got a load of physical stuff... It's kind of your, the onus is on you to make sure you buy a version of a console with a disk drive so you can use, so you can play that stuff. But, uh, so I think that kind of covers this generation. But if we go up to another one and everything then is digital, then yeah, Xbox have to ask themselves if we want to still be backwards compatible with the stuff that people already own. Yeah, they'll, they will have to, uh, to think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it's tricky in terms of, because what's to stop, I mean, I guess this has always been the case with digi- uh, with physical discs, but what's to stop people just handing discs to their friends so they can sort of double scan, you know? So you, you, I, I could own, for example, a copy of, like, Halo 3. I could give it to you to also just get your own free copy, digital copy of Halo 3 by scanning my disc, you know? Mm. Yeah, um, absolutely. But, you know, it's not like they're really missing out on a big sale there I wouldn't have thought so I, I don't know it, but um no that's the thing they would have to they would have to be really cynical because they're not making any money from Halo 3 anymore yeah presumably exactly. yeah. just like uh, Sony presumably aren't making a way uh, making a way making any money from what was it Pursuit Force or something on PSP right so what would be the harm of allowing people yeah. to pass one copy around because you're not losing any money no. You've already made the sale. You know, it's not, you're not going to sell anymore. I think maybe the only way they would do it is, is by monetizing it and saying you need to pay one pound for yeah, every, you know, for or something like that. that. You do, yeah. <laughs> which would make people very angry, but it I don't would. know what else they would do. But that's a way to to guarantee that backwards compatibility is not lost on, on digital consoles going forwards. Um, if indeed we do get another. Uh, set of consoles in the future who knows otherwise you'll have to buy all those games again on on digital uh in digital form which absolutely would wind some people up it would it really would 
Well, there we are. That's the end of this podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. Mm. And uh, Peter's going to tell you where you can find us and how you can get involved. Yes, we are putting all of our content out on youtube.com and twitch.tv forward slash team triple jump. We stream on both of those platforms. And when we do, we are modded by Lobrotovich, Mazdodactyl and Trowling Badger. Remember, on Prime, you can use... Uh, sorry, on Twitch, you can use uh, Amazon Prime to get an Amazon Prime sub, Twitch Prime it's called. So if you've already got Amazon Prime just for, you know, the the postage and maybe the the rubbish TV, uh it won't cost you anything extra. It's just part of the part of the deal. You can get a free sub um on Twitch with that. Mm-hmm. Um we've got social media, twitter.com and facebook.com forward slash team triple jump. Thank you to Luke Eldon for looking after our Facebook for us. Um, our Patreon is patreon.com forward slash Team Triple Jump. There's lots of different tiers that you can subscribe to there with lots of different kinds of rewards to suit your needs. There is a Discord, bit.ly forward slash Team Triple Jump. We'll send you there. That's modded by Jack and Joe. Thank you, Jack and Joe. The podcast, if you are watching on YouTube right now, is available in audio form at play.acast.com forward slash S forward slash Triple Jump. The website is triplej.mup, that's triple J-U dot M-P. And if you go to triplej.mup forward slash shop, that will take you to our shop. And if you go to triplej.mup forward slash VODs, that will take you to our VODs, which have been uploaded onto our YouTube VODs channel. Uh, And there are some little highlight packages every week there as well. They're done by Pat. Patkages. Thank you, Patkages. Very good. You can follow Peter on Twitter and Instagram at that Peter Austin and myself just on Twitter at confused underscore dude. We do lists every Tuesday and Thursday, streams every Monday, Thursday and Friday. Thursday being the joint stream, blaze it on YouTube. Monday and Friday being the solo streams on Twitch. Worst games ever is fortnightly. Friday for patrons, Sunday for everyone else. The podcast is every Saturday and we do shows one every other week or thereabouts. Leave a review on iTunes, why don't you? Or somewhere else, something to do with algorithms, platform of choice, etc., etc. Yeah. Why won't you? Why won't you yeah. do it? Why Why won't? I don't know. Why won't you? It's the worst games ever week. That means there's a terrible video game being played coming your way. If you're a patron, you would have already got it on Friday. It was but a good one. everybody else will get it on Sunday. I thought we were, we were on form this week, the two of us. I agree. Yeah. It was a typically terrible game, but I think we carried it between us. On our strong backs. Yeah. That's right. Our very strong backs. There's also another launch games video out uh, about the GameCube. The mm. Nintendo. Does that feel good? Ah. Ah. So uh, go go give that a watch. And also, as 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 much a surprise to us as it is to you, despite yeah. the fact that we've been doing it for a hundred weeks. But episode one hundred of this podcast is next week. Tell them, Peter, about all the big grand plans we have. Mm, it certainly snuck up on us, and for that reason, we've basically got no plans whatsoever to do anything <laughs> special with the episode at all. Partly because we don't really see how the sort of varied format with all of its different segments could be. You know, I was saying to Ben, if if we just did a podcast where for half an hour we talked about, say the latest episode of um, Great British Bake Off, then for the 100th episode, we could do, like, best ever Bake Off moments and Mm. go for an hour. But because there's so much different stuff and different segments in this podcast, how how do you do a special, you know? So 
We welcome you to um, submit questions that maybe have some sort of relevance to the fact that it's an anniversary episode, or, of course, just submit entire ideas to Whoa. us um, for maybe some sort of slight format change that might be worth doing because we're we're kind of stumped, to be yeah, honest, as to how to celebrate this. We're struggling. We have absolutely no idea what to do mm. if we just proceed with business as usual, but maybe... Just a big discussion is something, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we just go, it's episode 100. And then, and, that, and then we just continue the episode as normal. No idea. Absolutely no idea what to do. If you have any ideas, please let us know. Yeah. Uh, we were going to reach out to Luke Plunkett mm-hmm. <laughs> from Kotaku, the, the chieftain of weird news. But then that seemed like a lot of effort and difficult <laughs> to explain to him why... why why we wanted him to come on the podcast mm. so that's been nixed but let us know what you'd like to see or he- well here i suppose mm. and uh, we'll see if we can make that make that happen but uh, there we are 100 whole episodes we'll celebrate somehow next week yeah 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 also we believe that luke plunkett might be might be australian right yes Didn't he used to write for australia i think he is uh, in australia yeah maybe yeah kotaku australia so there's a whole time time issue there as well with getting a call together anyway there we go so so yeah let us know either via patreon in the thread but then you only only have a couple of days before we record or you know on social media in those places that i mentioned earlier yeah tweeters or whatever tweet us both as well tag us in that so we see it we don't always uh, we're not always on the the main account no yeah fantastic well that leaves just enough time for me to plug the brand new upcoming game in which you hunt down to punch the third male extra Mm. from the iron man film the first one i should specify otherwise you know you'd be thinking you're looking for the wrong person i thought you meant iron man 3 for some reason right well maybe because of the confusion in the name because it Mm -hmm. is of course called hit man 3 it's coming soon hit him Hit him good. I can't wait. It's a very exciting time. I hope everyone enjoys it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you to those who submitted questions this week. Very much appreciated. And we'll see you next time for episode 100. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.